0: Hello and welcome everyone to episode 20 of the Ducky O'Brien show and today I'll be going over how I think ranked and competitive matchmaking is a scam. Anyways, why don't we get into it? Lately I've been engaging with only the ranked and competitive modes in video games. I guess I just don't like fun anymore and suffering is the only way I feel alive. However, after spending hundreds and even thousands of hours playing competitive modes across a wide variety of genres, I came to a singular conclusion. Ranked and competitive matchmaking is a scam. Now some of it is definitely a case of what modern gamers will call quote unquote a skill issue and the solution is to get good and I realized that. But there is something larger moving in the shadows of game development that is way more nefarious in nature. In order to show my point, we can go back and observe what ranked and competitive matchmaking looked like in the past and compare it to present day matchmaking. I remember the concept of ranked matchmaking way back in my college days. Those were fun times, I would skip class just to play Team Fortress 2 which had just come out in the orange box bundle. That should give you guys a clue as to how old I am. The sheer amount of the cake is a lie references would make one shudder. Anyways, I would be playing a copious amount of Dota 1 which was just a Warcraft 3 mod back in those days and that was where I was first introduced to the concept of ranked matchmaking. There would be a bot that would record and track your estimated skill level by assigning you a skill number and the bot would try to match you against similarly skilled opponents. As time went on, the concept of ranked matchmaking and an assigned skill level became way more prevalent. The goal was simple back then. The only purpose of matchmaking was to determine your true skill level as accurately as possible and to give you a fair match by matching you with and against similarly skilled opponents. The goal of people choosing to engage with ranked matchmaking was to play competitively and to get better over time. Now, there was definitely flaws to ranked matchmaking. No matchmaking system was perfect, and instead of a system that was based on true skill, which is very hard to approximate, it became a system that was based on rank. Here is what I mean. A high level player in bronze is quite obviously not in the lowest skill tier of the game. But that's what their current rank happened to be. The system would then proceed to match the high level player against other bronze players. But since they have a much better grasp of the game, they should theoretically win more games than lose and manage to climb to a higher rank until they hit an accurate approximation of their true skill level. Now, this is the ideal situation, but the nature of competitive gaming, especially team-oriented games, tell a much different story. Since team-oriented games depend heavily on other players, tracking only wins and losses may not be an accurate metric of skill. For example, a high-level support player in Overwatch 2 would have pretty high damage and healing numbers while keeping the number of deaths relatively low. Utility however is something that is a bit more of an amorphous metric that is way harder to track accurately. For example, how would the matchmaker be able to tell the difference between a sleep dart that denied an alting Genji that would have wiped the team versus a sleep dart that had no value? This is something very hard to measure. Wins and losses were the main metric game developers were able to track back in those days as well as matchmaking theory being something relatively new. This resulted in a system that for better or worse revolved heavily on your current rank determined mostly by wins and losses instead of your true skill. Your rank was as close an approximation to your true skill as the developers could get to. The sole purpose was still to accurately as possible determine your true skill level and give you as fair of a match as possible. Now fast forward to modern day gaming, if you scroll through the forums discussing any modern game that has a competitive mode, the discussion of ranked and competitive matchmaking is usually one of the more prominent discussions with complaints about the matchmaking being at the forefront. There is a reason for this and it goes beyond the mere possibility that the implementation of the matchmaking is severely flawed. I would like to posit here that the real reason of this is that the sole purpose of modern day competitive matchmaking has shifted from accurate skill prediction and fair matches to a system that is solely designed to take up as much of your time as possible with little or no thought given to fair matches. I will of course back this claim up. Let us first take a look at the issue from a logical standpoint based on how game developers act as a corporation and then look at the actual factual evidence that supports these claims and take it beyond mere speculation to the reality that is modern day gaming. Now, when I make these claims, I'm not saying they are true for every game developer, but it certainly is more plausible and prevalent for larger developers, especially those with public stock offerings. The first thing to consider for the shift in modern day matchmaking design is that an increase in engagement by the player base leads to an increase in the likelihood that they would engage with microtransactions. This is something that gamers see on a regular basis for most modern games from bigger developers, even single player games and cooperative PVE games. Games such as Warhammer 40k, Darktide and Diablo Immortal come to mind as more recent examples that I have personally come across. Competitive matchmaking is by far the easiest and cheapest way to get an increase in engagement from players. Single player games and PVE games require to create actual content in the games, whereas a ranked or competitive mode only requires you to have rank indicators. This is by far a more cost effective way to get an increase in engagement, leading to an increase in microtransactions being purchased, leading to an increase in profitability. This makes the company way more attractive to potential investors as well. Let's say even if the increase in engagement did not lead to an actual increase in the sales of microtransactions, engagement metrics are something the developer can leverage in terms of appealing to investors, thus leading to more investment funds or the continuation of investment funds. The second more nefarious reason for the shift in matchmaking design is that by simply retaining your engagement, you are spending way less time with competitor products. This concept is seen in big tech companies, especially those dubbed as FANG, Big Tech, The Big Five, etc. Large corporations such as Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google spend hundreds of thousands of dollars per single employee, not because they are that valuable, but in order to prevent them from going to competitors. There are a lot of coders going over this on YouTube and on blogs if you'd like to go down the rabbit hole of large tech companies and how they operate. It's quite fascinating as well as terrifying. Now these claims are only speculation at this point, so let me introduce you to two pieces of evidence as proof and food for thought. The first comes from everyone's favorite company that killed Titanfall, Electronic Arts or simply known by their abbreviation EA. This should come as no surprise to anyone familiar with that company. EA has been employing research into what was being called engagement-optimized matchmaking, sometimes referred to as EOMM. The whole purpose of engagement-optimized matchmaking is to increase engagement by observing when players decide to quit playing games. I am not joking, this is real and something they refer to as quote-unquote churn risk. A lower churn risk means less people are likely to quit. The paper looked at the last three outcomes of players' matches and with their current data set, the recorded churn rates in the paper given as examples were 2.6 to 2.7% if the last three games were a draw-loss-win, or a loss-loss-win, or a loss-draw-win, or a draw-draw-draw. A win-win-win resulted in a churn risk of 37 and games ending in a loss resulted in churn rates from 4.6% to 5.1%. Now the difference between 2.6% and 5.1% may seem insignificant. Now when you consider that EA has games that millions of people play at any given day, that extra 2.5% of people staying makes a very large difference. Now what does this mean you ask? That's right, a series of games that have a loss and ending with a win result in a lower churn risk. This is something the matchmaking is tuned to attempt to replicate. The paper even talks about deploying neural networks to more efficiently analyze engagement rates and to calculate a series of wins, draws, and losses in order to engineer a lower churn risk. The matchmaking no longer cares about approximating your true skill and giving you as fair a match as possible. Its main purpose is to make you play as long as possible. I'll leave you with a quote from the paper. Equal skill based matchmaking is actually worst among all matchmaking schemes as its goal to create close matches contrarily minimizes the overall player engagement. That's right, player engagement is the most important metric. I'm looking at you Overwatch 2. The second piece of evidence and additional food for thought comes from Activision and again this is by no means a surprise to anybody. Activision actually patented a matchmaking system that's main goal was to pair a higher-skilled player with skins equipped with a lower-level player. The logic behind this was that the lower-level player would see the higher-level player tier through lobbies and be more inclined to purchase the cosmetics they are wearing or just purchase more cosmetics in general. I'm not making this up, this is real. The corporation-run dystopian future is now. Now there are more pieces of evidence as well as anecdotal observations from the gaming communities out there, but they are too numerous to cover in this video. We could literally go over hours and hours of people's personal experiences. So hopefully these two pieces of evidence are enough to show that game developers and publishers are intentionally designing games with the sole purpose of taking as much of your time as possible and to increase engagement with microtransactions. The point here is that the irrefutable intentionality is there and not only does it simply exist, it is acted upon. I will end with some personal anecdotal observations and my own personal experiences in engaging with these systems. I poured over a thousand hours into Apex, about 900 hours into Overwatch Comp, and approximately over 3000 hours into Dota 2 as I played the game when Playtime Tracked was not an available feature in Steam. For Apex, I remember how comp was like. For Bronze, it was actual Bronze players. I would see people with no aim, no movement, and generally no game sense, as people would just run across open ground, not paying any attention. I would actually run across players that couldn't hit me even if I stayed still. It would be relatively easy to hot drop every game and stop my way to plat. That was where my skill level was tested, and I could no longer hot drop, but had to play a little bit more carefully and pick and choose my engagements. I had to actually get better at the game to climb. This is how ranked matchmaking should be. If you do not belong in a certain tier, it should be easy to climb out, but also means that people would spend less time with matchmaking. They would have an easier time climbing to their approximated skill level, and then have a more difficult time ranking up, and this is where most people would quit and either play a different mode or a different game. Now fast forward to current Apex. Everyone who played Apex regularly did notice a difference in matchmaking after a certain point where even bronze matches were incredibly sweaty. Even in the lowest levels of bronze, I would see people that would line up a perfect beam to my head and I would constantly see people tap strafing making them more difficult to hit. These were obviously not bronze level players. The sole goal of this matchmaker was to make sure I spent as much time as possible playing ranked. The present implementation of ranked in Apex makes this even more obvious. Instead of ranking up based on skill, you will rank up based on placement. If you are in the top 10, you are guaranteed a positive 20 ladder points or LP regardless of if you have any kills or not. If you are not in the top 10, even with like 5 kills or so, you will end up with a negative LP. And to make matters worse, you can now de-rank in Apex. This means not dying is the main goal of ranked and this lets anyone who chooses to rat be able to climb the ladder. However, the trade-off is that you spend way more time climbing. To climb one tier, for example from Bronze 5 to Bronze 4, it would take 1000 LP. If you were to place in top 10 every single game, which would be difficult to do, and take roughly 20 minutes per game doing so, that will result in 17 hours per tier. That's around 85 hours per division. That's around 510 hours to reach diamond just by ratting to top 10 every game. Obviously it would take more as it would be more difficult to survive as you get higher. Now obviously it would take less time for a skilled player but those in the upper echelon of skill make up an incredibly small percentage of the player base. To make matters worse, the game now matches you based on a hidden MMR estimation and not your current rank, making winning firefights in Apex much more challenging. The vast majority of players sit in the lower ranks and this means a lot more people are going to spend way more time playing ranked because now it's easier to climb in exchange for spending more time ratting. This does affect the game. Now it is way more prevalent to see people being more hesitant to take fights, and way more people using snipers and marksman rifles. Don't even get me started on Overwatch 2. I can make an entire video series of how terrible Overwatch 2 matchmaking is. But I'll just give it a brief dishonorable mention as the worst possible matchmaking system known to gamer kind, especially when compared with Overwatch 1. I still don't get how you take something that existed and make it way worse. I just don't get it. Now, some may say if the matchmaking systems are that deplorable, just choose not to engage with it. The problem is that these systems are incredibly deceptive and engineered to be incredibly addictive, just like a digital drug. Just look at concurrent player counts for these games, they remain high. And just like a drug addict that has built up an immunity, I only play these games to avoid a low now. There are no more highs, and that is one reason why I don't enjoy modern games anymore and why I personally believe ranked and competitive matchmaking to be a scam. Thank you for your time and thank you so much for listening. If you would like to share your thoughts and experiences, please feel free to leave a comment down below. I would love to hear from you guys. And as always, hope you guys are staying safe and seen out there, and I'll catch you guys next time. Also, hashtag FBlizzard.